You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello everybody, welcome to this edition of The Essential Apple, and the title will probably give it away, The Boys Are Back, they're all back, no Mark this week, uh, he might join us later, but uh, at the moment he's otherwise engaged, but Nick is here, hello, I am here, <laughs> Jim is here, now, thankfully the, you know, the men with drills and hammers have left the outside of his house, so Jim is back, hello Jim, <laughs> hello, <laughs> and <laughs> he's, he's become punch drunk from all the drilling. And uh, Steve has recovered, uh, left his sick bed, and is back here as well. So, hello, Steve. Hello, yes, I'm here. I'm back. Excellent, excellent. I hope we're all in fine fettle then on this Father's Day, of course. Uh, well, at least it's Father's Day here in the UK. So, uh, well done, you know. Well, I managed to keep my teeth on after all the, the vibration. Ah, that's good. That's good, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. So, um, obviously you weren't here for the post-WWDC rumination. So, if, you know, if anybody wants to talk about that, we can talk a bit about some of that. Um, I've got a few bits in the show notes, but uh, other than that, um, we're going to try and keep it to a fairly tight show this week because Steve's got a bit of a hard out and I have an appointment to have a drink with my daughter for Father's Day. So, um, what should we kick off with? Um, well, the, 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 one, the, the one thing you could maybe kick off with is uh, uh, iOS 15 for the Mac, uh, sorry, for the iPad. Yeah, Pro. sure. Um I think it wasn't sort of covered last week was um, the fact that uh, we've got the M1 processors and not a lot, not a lot in iOS 15 to actually make use of it. Yep, we, um, me and Mark did cover that. Obviously, um, my my thought about that is, you know, the M series is going to gradually migrate across the range, and then we might start to see something. Um, mm. You know, when all of the ranges, at least, you know, the M1. Um, you know, as they I, filter in new ones. I think the mistake they made was calling it an, an M1 chip. They should have named it an, an A chip. Even you know, it... And then they wouldn't have had the bad publicity by people complaining about, you know, you've got an M1 chip and not much to, to make use of it. That they is kept possible. it as an A range uh, chip and just put this M1 chip in. And just called it an M15, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it was just an A15. They given yeah. the same kind of flack, yeah. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Mm. Um, I think the reason they put the M1 chip in there is we can do the things that we saw where you can switch and use the keyword and the mouse between all the devices, oh, yeah. your iPads and things like that. And I think that's I, I, the main reason they got the M1. I think that's a lot of it. But yeah. As clever as that, um, as, as clever as that we track they did with the three devices, you know, going from one to the next to the next and dragging something over, I, I fail to see um, the practicalities of that in everyday use. Um, yeah, I think it's one of those. I think it's one of those things that um, like looks, it's, it's really cool to watch, but probably mm -hmm. hardly anyone will use it. I th I think the truth about that is I think it's a really cool feature. It makes a really great demo because it's spectacular. Mm -hmm. You know, it's eye catching. I think the people who will use it will think it's absolutely amazing. But the number of people who will make a huge amount of use of it is very small. But it's one of those. Mm -hmm. the, those people who do use it will find it really, really useful. And if, um, you know, for the rest of people, it's a cool gimmick and they'll use it once and forget about it. Um, as I say, I used to have on... I, I, I struggle. I yeah, still struggle with just general multitasking. Mm. Um, I, I, I was trying to do it earlier uh, yesterday and I had to look up how to do it because I do... I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just can't remember how to do it because I don't do it. I do it so rarely. Well, that is um, one of the big things they've done in it, in the iOS 15, isn't it? Um, one of the first things I was going to mention is uh, John Gruber has done his annual, you know, WWDC live show. Um, and this year he obviously it was remote, but he had, uh, you know, Craig Federighi and Greg uh, Joswiak 
on, which was interesting. Um, always a good laugh. Um, and they were saying one of the big things that they wanted to do with the multitasking on iPad, you know, OS 15, was to put more visual clues, especially for um, the multitasking. Because as they said, you know, yeah, it was a bit like it worked, but it was a bit arcane. And if you didn't, you know, they've tried to make it a lot simpler with the three dots. You can tap the dots and it will all move out of the way so you can see your apps on the on the screen. Yeah, I thought that was quite cool. I must admit, when I saw uh, it, I thought that, that that's quite that's a quite clever way of um, changing the implementation to make it more obvious. Yeah. And they've got a sort of mission control view as well if you're doing multitasking. So it brings up, you know, you can drag apps together to make new pairs and switch between them in a sort of mission control view um yeah i i think they have worked quite hard at trying to improve the multitasking and making it more surfaceable i mean i don't use yeah. i don't use an ipad so it's not something i've ever had to do but you know most know people say it's um, not um you know it's not particularly intuitive at the minute yeah i know they didn't do what we were hoping that they would do <laughs> in the slightest um, I, I thought on the whole, taking the um, the keynote as a whole, uh, I was intrigued by some of the stuff. Um, some of the stuff seemed quite cool, although I'll probably never use it because I don't think it's aimed at me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I thought generally it was a it was a good keynote. Uh, I just think, like Jim, I think they could have gone a little bit further, mm. but um, still. Oh. <laughs> they're obviously not going to do that so but the only thing that really impressed me was the additional security uh features um yeah the the, sh- the share stuff was pretty good actually uh, if you're young <laughs> well <laughs> but if you're not young and you don't tend to watch films with other people at a distance i'll then, tell you what that's um, a bit of a bit of a waste of time uh, well i kind of thought that i thought that's cool and there are people who will absolutely lap it up but it's not for me and probably not for most of us who come on this podcast but what i did hear on another podcast and i can't remember uh where um might have been bubble sort might have been um might have been one of the others anyway be that as it may they were saying that the or it might even have been um might even have been craig and uh and and greg on on gruber's show that there's a lot more to that uh kind of share feature than just movies and um, music. Apple have done yes. mu- movies and music, but there's a whole API behind that. And that API... Oh, sure. yeah. yeah, but they're saying that API has been thrown out to developers so that you can go away and make, for example... Other ways of sharing. Other ways of sharing things. So you could do... share. You could build an, an interactive whiteboard shared between a group of people. You could build um, anything. You know, uh, as I said, you know, the first thing that they thought of was a whiteboard app. But anything like that that needs to be shared amongst a group of people um, can be built utilizing that yes. API. Yeah. And that um, they were very much that took, um, took my train of thought completely out from under me. Sorry, Nick. Let's backtrack a little bit. What, what were you saying? Uh, you know, I can't remember now. <laughs> <laughs> So often so, I know what I was going to say. I've remembered. Um, what I was going to say was, uh, I haven't heard anyone else say very much about it in the, in the reviews, but I must admit, I felt that the first 20 minutes was literally them capping up, catching up with Zoom. Yes. Um, at nearly all the stuff they announced, you think, oh, well, that's good, that's good, that's good, but that Zoom can already do all those things. So uh, I, I think I, um, as I said... just Apple sort of catching up. It was almost like... Because I said to Mark, didn't I? You know, but when they finally introduced multi-caller FaceTime, they did this weird thing with the heads popping up and down and bobbing around on the screen. And whilst that made a cool demo in yes. real life, it was a bloody annoyance. So saying, "Oh, we've introduced a gallery view," yeah, like everybody else did, which was boring and unoriginal. But there's a reason sometimes where people do things in boring and unoriginal ways because they're time tested and work. Um, so yeah, I, I did. I did feel there was some of that sharing links and um, so on. But you know, I I think Apple got caught on the hot by Zoom. Really, the pandemic and Zoom coming out of nowhere just mm. because Maybe before so. that. I think before that, you know, FaceTime originally obviously was designed for families and person-to-person calls. And, and I think Apple were leaving the more, you know, video conferencing software to people like um, 
well, not Zoom because it wasn't Zoom before. Let me in, no, WebEx and and um, Let Me In or whatever the Log Me In one is called, and and things like that. And um, with the pandemic, you know, Zoom came out of nowhere really and caught most people on the hop, and then caught Apple on the hop as well. Um, there you go. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was a solid keynote. You know, lots of people said it was boring yeah. and it was this and that. I didn't think that at all. No, no, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. It was well worth listening to. And there were some really good little snippets in there that you thought, oh, that's clever. Oh, oh. And, <laughs> I and a, thought of that. You know, and of course, in the week since, as the betas have, have broken cover and whatnot, you know, and the people were going to various sessions at WWDC, you know, there's a lot more going on than they even announced. Of course there is, you know, they only announced key things. Yeah. Um, I get the of... feeling that uh, iOS 15 and Monterey are really just sort of uh, intermediate updates rather than a major yeah. update. And there's, just... nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. There's you know, nothing I, really, yeah. I, I really don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, I think we've all yeah. said on this show sometimes, you know, do we really mm. need a yearly release? Well, if you're going to have a yearly release, you know, if you've painted yourself into that corner, then there's probably nothing wrong with having a mm. big release. And then like, um, you know, a, a sort of what in the old days would have been a, you know, 12.5 update. And then the following year, you know, you do mm. the next big one with new features, you know. Yeah, build. I've heard other people. I've heard other people say that they thought it was like a maintenance release. But I, I think that's a little bit unfair. There was yeah, an awful I, lot of new stuff in there. I, yeah, exactly. I think a lot of it was just the way they presented it as well. They didn't talk about some of the key things that we now hearing about from other people who's got the betas running. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think yeah. I'll try the uh, public beta on, on the, the the iPad this time round. Um, just to test it out, but we'll see. Mm. I'm a bit, I'm a bit puzzled why you would want to have multiple apps of the same app on ah, your, your screen. That, that, again, now this did come up, and I'm pretty sure this was on Bubble Sort. Um, I thought that. I thought, why? Why would you want to do that? But if you want to use the mm-hmm. focus feature, they were explaining right. One of the things you can do with a focus, you can you can pick a home screen to be active and hide all the others. You know how on your on your you know on your home screens you can now say right I don't actually want to see that one just show it in the app library. So you could what set do you mean by, what do you mean by focus? Uh... Um, well it's one of the things you one of the things they announced wasn't it was was focus. You can set up it's a kind of like limited version of um uh, it's like a, it's almost like it's almost like a theme. Yes, but it's also it's, it? it's a little bit like a theme. So it will it will uh, cluster together the things you want to use and and hide the things you don't. Don't. Yeah. So for example, uh, okay. but it's, one it's, of the two weeks ago, so it's a bit it's, it's a bit hard to remember. Yeah. <laughs> well, one, one of the, one of the features with focus is that you can say you you could set up your home screen and you could build you know your mm. your typical home screen and then you could build if you've got a focus called work you could have one that only has the apps that you use for work and then you could have one that i don't know right. one for music or writing or whatever it is you're doing and you could have mm. those hidden by default but when you change to a certain focus say work focus it will turn it will hide the other screens and just show you that one now obviously that's quite a clever idea if you mm. want to do that there some apps you might wish to appear on multiple screens. You might want... I know there's the dock, but obviously there's a limited amount of space in the dock, so you might need a particular tool. You know, if you're a developer, you might want GitHub available or whatever, GitHub access, you know, on more than one screen. Mm. So the idea is now that you can put an instance of an app on multiple screens. And I thought that at first. Right. What's the bloody point of that? But when mm-hmm. the guys on Bubble Sort were talking about using Focus and creating, you know, specialist home pages, if you like, for different focuses, it made sense. Right. I'm with you now. Right. Yeah. Um, what's the... I mean, the Focus is a bit like the... Um, um, it's like a sort of limited version of Do Not Disturb. Yeah. Whereas Do Not Disturb is don't notify me about anything. Um, it, it's kind of like that. It's like, so I... I don't want any notifications from Apple Music and I don't want notifications from Facebook. and You know what I mean? It's That's the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It's actually quite clever. Um, I mean, Steve, what, what was your thought? Did you 
Yeah, I, for the beginning, I didn't quite understand it, but then after reading into it and watching a couple of uh, videos about it, um, yeah, I think you pretty much summed it up. So you put your focus mode on and then you check into do not disturb. So you basically focus on those apps that stops you going off onto your Facebook and getting consumed on it. Because even though I don't go into focus uh, mode a lot for work out, outside, if I'm doing some of my website, sometimes it's easy just to go off to like Twitter and things like that. So I think it's just to keep you more on track, really. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, that, I think that's, you know, part of the idea. It's like those, um, you can, if you're a writer, you can get those kind of um, no interruptions uh, writing apps, which effectively yeah. do, do the sort of thing that... And they, um, it's effectively, it fills your screen, so you can't see anything else. Yeah, and so it... So you lock, won't be distracted by them. <laughs> it locks it, pretty much just locks everything out. Um, in, in a way, it's a return, which I know is before most of your times, but it's a return to the pre-multi-finder days where when you opened an app, that was it. That app was running and everything else was off, including the finder yeah. to a large extent. And if you wanted to change from, you know, in those days, you want to change from PageMaker to Illustrator, you had to quit PageMaker, go into Finder, open Illustrator, work in Illustrator, quit Illustrator, go back to the finder. Um, yeah, it's like, it's like that, but multi-app. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, do they still have it? They used to have a. I never used it, but they used to have a sort of thing where you could open an app and it hid everything else, and it was like oh, kind of. Know. They used to have a, a mode which was I don't know. It was like Option Shift open a, an app, and it would open that app and hide all the other apps, and kind of make that go full screen and hide everything. It's like that sort of thing. Anyway, yeah, there you go. It it it's more useful when you dig into it than, than you might think. And the guys on bubble sort were saying, well, you can, when you set up focus, you can set it to trigger off a, sh a bunch of shortcuts, um, to launch particular apps and, um, make sure other apps are turned off and alter your notification settings. And was there, uh, was there anything else in WWDC that took people's, that caught people's imagination? Cause if not, I suggest we move on. Yes. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, there was nothing that made me like jump up and down and go, oh yeah. But uh, as I said last week, a lot of little things that were like, yep, yep, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'd agree with that. That's good. Yeah, I think this is the first time I haven't been eager to jump straight on the beta train. Usually, I'm there with the, again the first developer beta on, but this time there was nothing there. I'm, I just probably will wait until quite later on in developer betas or public betas before I actually install anything. Now and have a look. So. Mm. I think I think the probably the only thing was uh, you can now place widgets where you want them rather than it uh, defaulting to the top left. Yeah, yeah, that's good, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Other than that, the security features that they added in. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Very much so. Okay. Yeah. Um, I always find it quite amusing when Apple managed to um, turn something into a feature that is actually what they should have implemented the first time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bit strange. Um. What have we got here? iOS 15 now allows you to request refunds for in-app purchases directly with the um, publisher. Uh, that's a link to Mac Rumors. Um, oh. Previously, if you you know were unhappy, you had to go back to Apple. Um, so is that a good thing? Uh, well, <laughs> I'm not. Sure, I'm not sure. Uh, the ability for customers to request refunds for an in-app purchase directly within the app rather than having to use the report a problem on Apple's website. Oh, I yeah. that's e it's certainly easier to use then. Yeah, yeah definitely. I've tried, I've gone for refunds in the past and it's an absolute nightmare trying to remember where you go on the website to do it. So if you can do it in the app, it's just going to be, I think, 10 times easier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, also very good for, um, you know, if, if your child has managed to buy a thousand pounds worth of add-ons, you can... <laughs> <laughs> directly from the app. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, um, of course, developers will have to actually add this. They have to, it's not mandatory. Yes. It's something they need to implement, which probably means responsible, you know, responsible application developers will add that option. I think the thing probably still goes back to Apple to handle, but it, it I think it's just nice because Steve's right. When, you know, when my daughter accidentally purchased a bloody year's subscription to something because she thought, you know, it was a free app and it was free for three days and then charged you a hundred quid you know yes. tracking down how to get how do i 
do this. In the end, I just rang Apple and said, how do I do this? But um, it would be nice if you could just have a, you know, I'd like a refund for this, please, you know. Yeah, I think um, apps like uh, Overcast, I know Mark Warmont in the past has said people have uh, subscribed for the year thinking they get extra features and then they don't and then they leave bad reviews. So this way they can just request a refund straight in the yeah, app. And yeah. then... And that's what I'm saying. I think responsible developers will take it on. And, um, you know, yes, those who are only out to take your money to... are just going to not do it. Um, yeah, it makes sense. To, it's a little bit like it's a little bit like doing returns on Amazon. I mean, it, it, it is very straightforward. They've actually thought it well through and it, it, it isn't hard to do. You just follow the instructions and, and get it done. Yeah. Um, and that's what you want, really, isn't it? You want to be able to. Say, whoa, I made a mistake. The other thing I thought they would uh, should have uh, included um, was a trial. Um, you know, rather than buying the the upgrades and then finding yeah, we've been out... talking about this for a long time, haven't we? Yeah, you would have thought it's that obviously something that. Apple don't want to do. Yeah. Well, I think didn't they last year add? They did add something towards that went some way towards that, but I don't think a lot of people yeah, have necessarily taken it, it up. There was a thing where you could get, you could get, people could have codes, a sort of. Um... Yeah, I think it was like a sort of halfway house. But I mean, if they make, yeah, I've like, never seen anything like like the refunds thing. If you mm. make it difficult, people aren't going to use it. Yeah, exactly. Um, there we go. Um, what else have we got? Um. The BBC News had a case which says Apple pays millions in iPhone repair explicit photo case where um, apparently a woman sent her iPhone uh, to um, be re- repaired um, and it went to an, you know, an Apple partner um, and uh, some of her explicit pictures were, you know, taken and put online. Um, yeah, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Um, explicit images and videos were uploaded to Facebook and other places and made to look as if they had been posted by her. Um, we take privacy and security of our customers' data extremely seriously. We have a number of protocols in place to ensure data is protected. When we learned of this egregious violation of policy at one of our vendors, we took immediate action and have continued to strengthen our vendor protocols. Um, you, you do have to ask, if you're going to send the phone in to get repaired, you know, would you, why would you leave that actually indeed. on your phone? I mean, this apparently... Yeah. This apparently was five years ago, um, yeah. and the company involved is uh, the Pegatron Technology Service, whose name has cropped up numerous times in complaints. Um, mm. So, um, quite right, as my wife said, so why are Pegatron still one of an Apple? But this was five years ago, so um, I think Pegatron would put on a warning, any more trouble from you and you're off the list. Um, yeah. Of course, it does make it clear, I think, um, or Apple normally ask you to wipe your phone before you send it in to be repaired, unless you can't. I mean, they will tell you to turn off Find My so that it's not um, activity locked, and then they tell you to return it, you know, make sure you've done a backup, and then do, you know, the old um, wipe all all content and settings, Mm -hmm. and then put it in the box and send it back for repair, because they don't want exactly that. For that very reason, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah, they don't want to have (laughs) Then no one will be tempted. You know, mm-hmm. they don't want your data. Um, they don't want to know your password. They don't want your data. They just want the phone. Because if, if they get it back like in that state and they can't re- reproduce the problem, they can say, well, the phone is all right. You've got something wrong in your software. Um, so, I mean, in some ways, Apple could have squirmed out of this and said, you know, it's not really our fault, but they haven't. They've paid up and done the up. right thing, which is which is yeah, good. Yeah, it's good. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, but there you go. Yeah, be advised. But yes, really don't, you know, don't, you shouldn't, if you've got that sort of, if you've got sensitive material on your phone, the only reason you do that is, of course, is if the phone, something's happened to the phone and you can't, you can't wipe it. But um yeah. yeah, what I find funny as you as well is to say that Pegatron actually demanded confidentiality over his role. Um, so Apple couldn't say it was Pegatron until uh, a dispute over the amount was paid, and that's how it came to light. <laughs> yeah, mm. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, my wife saying, "Aren't you supposed to wipe your phone before you send it in?" That's exactly you are. Um, where possible. 
Okay. Um, moving on, really. Uh, something more interesting. Uh, Apple has reportedly considered launching its own primary health primary healthcare service, according to Engadget. Um, this isn't a surprise. I'll be honest. Um, so what we sort of? Well, what sort of? Um, well, effectively, healthcare. Healthcare. Go just on. healthcare clinics. Um. You might remember we discussed this probably a couple of years ago when it came to light that Apple had purchased a couple of clinics um, and was basically providing health care for its own employees. Right. Um, it, it came to light that they'd, um, they'd bought a clinic near near Cupertino and were, you know, offering employees um, health care. So, so Apple reportedly considered launching its own primary health care service could be... Shall we launch our own healthcare service? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we considered it. Uh, here we go. It says Apple reportedly took over a health clinic near Apple Park and hired a Stanford University's Dr. Sumbul Desai to manage this project. Uh, it tested the service to start on its own employees, building a team including clinicians, engineers, and product designers. Um, Apparently, there was a here. Uh, uh, one of the initiatives was called Health Habit, which connected employees with cl- clinicians. However, the app reportedly struggled with a low enrolment and questions over its data integrity. Um, mm. In 2019 meeting, a manager raised concerns about the data to decide which contributed to the manager's departure, according to this report. However, an Apple spokesperson said Dr. Desai himself had spoken about the importance of data integrity at the same ma- meeting. And this matter was investigated thoroughly and no allegations could be substantiated. Um, Many of the assertions in this report are incomplete, outdated and inaccurate. Um, The spokesperson said... They're making a car and a TV as well, you know. Yeah. Um, Well, (laughs) it's sort of a bit of nothing, but, you know, they did buy buy a clinic and were offering, you know, direct health care. Um, I can I can imagine that I can understand them doing it for their own employees, but actually I can't see there being anywhere near enough money in primary healthcare uh, in America. For Apple. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think might... compared, you know, with the in American America, health system, um, it's cheaper for them to try and do it themselves for, like you say, their employees rather than paying out insurance yeah. to other healthcare providers. Yeah, I could see that. I can quite understand that, but actually running primary healthcare generally, yeah. Well, I don't no. I don't know, but as a service, if you could, you know, and with their big push on privacy, you know, they start pushing out more and more health um, related. No, they're definitely interested in health, but would they want to actually run? I don't know. A healthcare service. That that said, if oh. if you could, you know, if they could start rolling out a healthcare service, it, you know, in a, in a system like America, I think a lot of people would rather trust Apple with their health information than an insurance company. Uh, Maybe. Well, I don't know because. Um... I mean, I've been worried about you know uh, the safety of your own personal details. I know I know Apple's big on security and personal stuff like that, but uh, you're putting too many apples in the basket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. very good, very good. But yeah, I under I understand what you're saying. I mean, yeah. you know, reportedly considered, and as Nick says, and they went, nah, not a good idea. Mm-hmm. I wonder as well, Amazon doing their own pharmacy part. So I wonder if, obviously, companies like that, if that's just another reason they were considering it, you know, to get in on that, especially yeah. as they, they're pushing towards healthcare with the, the watch and things anyway. Mm. If I was to go by it, um, I don't see it coming here anytime soon because we're still waiting for the Apple card to come. Yeah. 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 So I think it'd be I more know. America, wouldn't it? It would be. Well, I'm, sure, very... I'm, sure Apple, I'm sure Apple consider all sorts of things because... Mm. Because that's the nature of a business is that if you if you stand still you you don't succeed you have to be moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a bit of a non-story. Yeah, I, I think so. But it's a, it's a bit early. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it was definitely a thing that they were offering healthcare to their own employees, and that makes you know lots of companies do that. Although, yeah, lot, m- most companies that do that don't actually go out and buy a clinic and hire a load of doctors and <laughs> specialists. That's true. They yeah. buy. They just you know, make a contract with a clinic. But, you know, they literally apparently went and bought a clinic and staffed it with people and went, right, let's have a go at running this clinic. So, you you know, well, that, and no doubt. That's probably, with the amount of money that Apple has, that's probably their second question. The first question is, should we do something? The second question is, shall we buy something? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Should we, you know, should we do this or should we just buy it? Um, you know, was it, I mean, uh, who was it, Amazon? Just Was it Amazon just bought MGM, was it? Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm oh, I hadn't heard that. Yeah. Amazon bought M- MGM, which is Interesting. like, what? <laughs> Amazon Prime videos could actually be quite useful in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you won't get your Bond films on it, though. No, no. Um, it, could, it, could, it could actually do with a big um, injection of movies available in Prime, because Prime's movies are not exactly the greatest of choices. There are some good films, but on the whole, it's pretty poor. I, I, yeah. I don't mind Prime. I find... Um, you know, I like I some of the stuff on Prime. I like... Um, some of their are films you... are maybe not quite so, um, you know, up to date, but they do a lot of good original content. And yeah. um, I, I like a lot of their TV shows. I've watched quite a few off there at the moment. Yeah, and, and their, their TV shows are, can be very, very good. Um, they really can. I've watched a lot of Prime Originals and found them to be excellent. Um, yeah, agreed. But some of them... But then they're doing more original movies, and the Prime original movies are usually very good. Um, they don't have as good a selection of... But don't forget, with Prime, you get the free Prime movies, and then you get, the, like, the Prime Premium. So uh, I think most of us probably don't pay for Prime Premium, because no. uh, you know, I take the Prime stuff. You know, I pay for Prime, and I continue to pay for Prime as much for the, mo- uh, you know, for the, the Amazon video as I do for the delivery, mm. you know, and, and yeah. discounts. Yeah. I just see it as a really nice bonus because I buy, I buy so much stuff from Amazon. That, uh... <laughs> well, it just makes for a nice uh, I mean, package, really, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, well, it's well worth having it, and having the extra movies and music and stuff is mm. very nice. Yeah. Well, well, I'm waiting for is Apple to actually buy a studio. Mm. Would yeah. they do that? Again, I think they've probably considered it, but <laughs> that's about well, as far they, as they've they got. They need to, to get content because it's still lacking. I mean, I'm, well, I'm fortunate, unfortunately, I've got a year's extra. Um, a- Apple seem to be quite happy with what they're doing. I get that impression. Yeah. Um, so. Mm. <sighs> I think they're ever going to be a. Uh, they're not going to be Netflix. Netflix. They're not going to be Netflix. And or even Prime, to be honest. No, they're, they're not. That's not their thing. No, um, I, I think their thing is to have high quality original content and not a lot else. Um, yeah, it does mean that once you've watched it, you've watched it. Yes. <laughs> you might as well unsubscribe. Yeah. Well, so, but... so, so far in the, uh, Apple. To, uh, the Apple TV. I've, I've watched. Is it Greyhound? The movie. Yeah. Yeah. The Bankers, which was very good. Uh, and I watched the Home Before Dark. That was quite good. And but the fact it, the fact is, it's true of all of these. I mean, uh, I I no longer subscribe to Netflix because I'd watched everything mm. up to that point where there wasn't anything I wanted to watch, so I unsubscribed. And I don't. I think an awful lot of people don't think of doing it. Um, uh, they they just keep paying the money out, you know. Yeah, but don't really. That that's the advantage of these things. Is if you've had enough of it, stop paying. Yeah, mm-hmm. stop paying for a few months and wait for some new content to arrive. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's right. And then resubscribe for a month or two to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um... Yeah, I've just had a I've just had a really good deal on now content. Oh, yeah. oh right. Uh, yeah. I think it was a. Th- Three quid for three months or something. It's something ridiculous. So uh, so I thought, okay, I'll have that. And then yeah. as soon as I get to the end of it, I'll unsubscribe again. <laughs> yep. Talking of which, I must remember well, to uh, switch my, my Apple TV subscription from my um, buying account to my iCloud account. Yes. I, I, I did that to... with Disney's channel. I subscribed for it for a month and watched, you know, binged the Mandalorian and then gave up on it. Yeah. I saw a few felt you know, saw a few films I hadn't seen before and, and stopped. That's it. right. That's yeah. right. And I think, you know, if you if you're sensible, that's that's the way you use these tools. You don't have to be subscribed indefinitely. Mm-hmm. You just drop out when you don't want it anymore and then pop back when you think there's something worth watching. Mm-hmm. Indeed. I mean my We've got Disney TV Plus because my daughter's phone contract offered a deal, which was take Disney Plus for, I think it was 18 months, and pay for it by having it charged to your phone bill. And mm-hmm. you could get it for half price, I think. So it was half half the price as long as you took 18 months and paid for it via your phone contract. Don't ask me yeah. Yeah. why, but... It was like okay, that seems good to me, you know. Why not? Why not? Um, but uh, yeah, there you go. It's, sadly, it's like a lot of things are like that these days, aren't they? I mean, it's it's called being given choice. Yeah. And um, same with gas and electricity and phone contracts and 
you you just got to keep on keep on looking around because if something better comes out, then go for that. Yeah, <laughs> you've got nothing to lose. Exactly. Um, but it does put the onus on you. It's yes, not it up does. to the uh, the companies to actually give you the good deals. You've got to go out and find them. Yeah. Um, apparently, I think this was this week. Apple has dropped the price of Apple Care Plus for the MacBook Pro and the MacBook Air with an extra discount if you have an M1 version, um, according to oh. 9 to 5 Mac, as well as the fact, I believe, um, before WWDC, they allowed, well, not the indefinite extension of Apple Care, but the ability to um, keep on paying for your Apple Care on your device until Apple said the product was vintage or obsolete. I can't remember. Um, I've never ever you're... bought Apple. Never ever bought Apple Care. No, nor have I, to be honest. Um, no, uh, I bought it once on an Apple Watch only because I damaged uh, my Series Two, and then I, when I got my Series Four, I put Apple Care on it, and true to form, I never damaged that one. So I, it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you never know, do you? But. Uh, yeah. Perhaps now that we've said that, Simon, perhaps someone will be listening in and that, that'll be it. All our Apple kit will start going wrong now. <laughs> <laughs> Press the no, button. Years ago on my, my uh, MacBook Pro, uh, I bought a, was it a 15-inch MacBook Pro many, many minutes back. And uh, I certainly was glad I had uh, got the Apple Care because they ended up having to give me a brand new uh, laptop. Uh, yeah. I think it's somewhere like Alison Sheridan, where everything she buys seems to go wrong within the first few months. <laughs> then you're probably a good idea. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. it. If I've it got, goes I've wrong, got on my phone, but not on the not on the iPad yet. Still yeah. thinking about it. I think the the most popular one for most people is the Apple Care Plus for your phone, because that's probably the one that most people are prone to. You know, that's the most one likely yeah. to get damaged, dropped, broken, yes. cracked screens. Um, you know, yeah, that... yeah, I can understand. I sort of can understand that. It depends on how you treat your kit as well. Yeah, I've had people say to me when I've sold stuff onto them, "Is this new?" Mm. <laughs> yeah, and I said, "No, it's two or three years old." But I, I looked after it. <laughs> you know, I mean, oh, I... I just, I just, got my, I just got my phone replaced uh, through Apple Care. Yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, because you had a, a load of problems with your phone, didn't you, Jim? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's yeah. extended uh, Apple Care, you know, because the previous Apple Care ran out. Uh, this is the monthly one. We, you, know, you pay every month. You pay yeah. nine quid, so it was good value. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Right. Well, that's all. I've the... got. I've got. Well, I've got one more Apple story. Go on then. Uh, is, this, is this your yeah, rant? It, it is my rant. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, so, so the story is that millions and millions of people. Uh, their, their iPhones are doomed, I tell you, doomed. Oh. Uh, so my my rant is about headlines that have nothing to do with the story, with what the actual story itself. And the story is about some random set of characters that you can put in as an SSID that bricks your Wi-Fi. Now, it's you're only doomed if you're stupid enough to put those characters in, and if <laughs> if and if you didn't know what those characters were before. Well, the chances of you typing them in were probably trillions to one. <laughs> and then it just really annoys me when people put uh, this headline saying, millions of phone users you know, wish they hadn't bought iPhones. Oh, uh, and, no. and, and, and what they're actually talking about is something that will probably affect almost no one. It's, uh, I think I, it's so annoying. Unfortunately, there'll be some sort of people who will actually put that code in. And then... Oh, they probably will now they know it. Yeah, but I mean, oh, for goodness Well, sake. no, right, I read this. I read this, actually, I read that. Not that story, a story about that. Um, yes. Apparently, if you call your SSID something stupid like percentage P, percentage, 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 five, percentage, 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 N. I know it's got a lot of percentages in it. Yeah, yeah. right. And then <laughs> somebody attempts to join it, it will it will crash the Wi-Fi stack. And yeah. the only way to do that is to reset net, do reset um, network settings. So, you know, it's not really a major disaster. I mean, resetting your network settings is a pain because it loses all your, you know, preferred networks and whatnot. But it's not the end of the world. And yeah, it's a little bit like the stories we had a few years ago about a certain character that crashed yeah, the character your phone. Problem, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that, finding out about them is interesting. But really, it's not really the end of the world, is it, for everybody? <laughs> no. Well, do. 
and we're all doomed indeed. And the, um, the other thing with that is, is if you're out and about and you see a, an unsecured Wi-Fi network with a stupid name like that, would you be, you know, would you be tempted to click on it? No, I would not. <laughs> That's true. You know, how yeah, about how about you know a a, a free Wi-Fi hotspot? You know, called we steal all your data. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey, that'd stop other people logging onto your SSID, wouldn't it? Or trying to. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good idea. <laughs> Malware sent. So that's it. That's all it was. It's yes. stop making stupid it was a, titles to. Uh, well, that one, the one, I, the one I read simply said something like strangely named Wi Fi hotspots can crash your Wi Fi or something, which then went on to explain. Well, that's fair enough. That's and, fair um, enough. I don't mind actual factual stories. It's just putting a stupid heading on it saying, yes, you know, yeah. exactly. are doomed because... And I, I thought I'd put it in the show notes, actually, but I haven't. So I might have to dig that up. But yes, if you see a stupid Wi-Fi hotspot with a large number of percentages and other weird characters in its name, don't try and join it, really. <laughs> okay. Um... Let's push on. Uh, la, 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 la. I'll, I'll move on a bit then. Um, time is ticking on. Um, there we go. Uh, Steve Steve has just sent me the link from Engadget. iPhone bug breaks your Wi-Fi when you join an oddly named network. There we go. Thank you, Steve. I'll put that in the show now. That, uh, yeah, that sums it all up, really. I can't remember which, where I saw it. I think it was in, I think it was in Apple News. Yeah, was it from Forbes? Yeah. Was it from Forbes? Uh, it could have been. Because Probably Forbes, make the headlines, <laughs> Forbes is really weird because, as I said one show, I found out Forbes don't really have an editorial team. They're just like a fire hose of submitted articles, which is why you right. get one article with a stupid headline like that, you know, Apple's iPhone's doomed due to Wi-Fi bug. And then you'll get another person, you know, because people like Ben Baharin and, and Bob O'Donnell and Carolina Milanese and lots of other um, top writers submit to Forbes and, you know, who write sensible, informed, um, you know, and insightful pieces. And then you get people yeah. who just write that clickbait. And Forbes don't apparently have any editorial team who care or, or filter it. They just fire hose the whole lot out. So you will get yeah. the, other, the other thing that uh, the other thing that really gets my goat these days because I watch a lot of um, a lot of YouTube is people who talk and they just talk and talk and talk and and you're actually watching it because it, it looks interesting and and they spend fifteen minutes introducing it. <laughs> Please get on with it. <laughs> get on with it. Get on with it. Oh. I'm being my grumpy old man head hat on tonight. <laughs> Indeed, why not? Um, right, let's move on. Um, there was, uh, in fact, there were a couple of outages recently. A Fastly um, CDN, that's uh, Content Delivery Network Server Issue, brought down swathes of we- uh, websites, um, including, I think, the gov.uk and the Times. Oh, and, yes, yes, of course, I remember that, yeah. Um, I've got one here, so I've got a link to Mac Rumours, uh, update solved, and websites begin to work again after a major breakage from the BBC News. Yeah. That's a, it wasn't actually out for very long, in all honesty. About but... an hour, I think, maybe a bit more. Yeah, but, um, yeah and I think it was one customer's fault as well. They, they'd made a, a, change, a valid change, and, uh, and that brought everything down. <laughs> It's so easy to break stuff. I mean, when I, when I worked for Seven Trent, we had a couple of issues that affected a lot of people within the business. Um, and all it was was a, 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 a license. A license yeah. had expired and nobody noticed, <laughs> which was bad. But that's all it was. And suddenly, you know, half the company couldn't use, couldn't connect to anything. Or... <laughs> yeah, because they're, they're Microsoft These Exchange These sort of things are quite important. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, someone you... I think that someone definitely got it in the neck for that. But yeah, when Microsoft <laughs> sends you a, sends you an invoice saying your Microsoft Exchange Server backend invoice is due, it's best you pay it. Yes, don't ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, or your your AWS uh, Server Farm uh, rental payment is due now. Please, you know, please yeah. admit. I th- I, I, I'm not sure it was actually 
I think it was probably something like a networking software license. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it was a, it was something a bit more arcane than, but, yeah, you know, but Microsoft Office or something. Yes, or... <laughs> obviously. But what I'm saying is, you know, when when your infrastructure bills come to you, best you pay them. <laughs> it does tend to help. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know why our network's not paying. I've de- oh. Yeah, I'll tell you this story. Many, many years ago, when we'd only sort of started, really just started moving online at work, we had this thing where we came in after the Christmas holidays and found that nobody's email was working. And um, so we were saying, like, oh, I don't know what's up. I don't know what's up. <laughs> My boss rang up, the, you know, the IP provider and said, um, our, our email's not working. And he went, well, that doesn't surprise me. You cancelled the contract on the, you know, on the 24th of December. (laughs) (laughs) So we were all like, what? And when the big boss came in, we said, "Uh, did you cancel the, uh, you know, did you cancel our internet service provider? Yeah, yeah, I've had a better deal from somebody else. It's like, and you didn't think that was important to tell anybody? (laughs) 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 That you've done that? Yeah, thanks. Oh, well, it was a much better deal and, you know, it was cheaper and better service. Yes, that's all very well, but you need to tell us. <laughs> and, of course, somewhere between the... Because in the print industry, everybody goes home from, like, Christmas Eve until after New Year. Nobody works in nobody works in print in the yes, in-between yeah. gap. And um, so at some point in between the 24th of December and the sort of 3rd of January, the service had been turned off. And we had a new service, <laughs> but we needed the details so that we could all connect. <laughs> We also, of course, it would have been nice to know because it probably would have been a good idea to tell our customers that we changed our email addresses. So that day there was a lot of mad scrambling by people trying to, you know, get to email huge swathes of people saying our email addresses changed. We've changed, yeah. Providers, yeah. It's like, oh, I thought it would just switch over. No, it doesn't just switch over. You have to do stuff. <laughs> Great. Oh, dear. Um, And then uh, Australia had an internet banking outage, which was blamed on um, a CAMI. Is it a CAMI? I believe they call it. Um, Which is a a DDoS mitigation service. Yes, a CAMI. Uh, Apparently, a technical issue with a CAMI's DDoS platform crashed a number of online banking services. Um, Oh, dear. So uh, that's something that is in there to stop DDoS. Yes, is that right? Yes, it's yeah. it's point is if if you um a service like Akami and there are other people um oh I can't think of the other one what's the, what's the other one Steve? Do you oh, know? I'm trying to think now. Blame no, think. something. Um, anyway, there are other services and there's another famous one. Um, and basically, it, yeah, if you pay them, the idea is if you start suffering a DDoS attack, they will yeah they will pour on more and more servers. Um, to... Cloudflare, I think it is. Yeah. Cloudflare, that's it. Cloudflare. Yeah. Ah, right. Yes. Yeah. yeah and yeah. what they do is add more and more servers to your network whilst you're under attack to keep you propped up. To keep you afloat. Yeah. But anyway, apparently, uh, apparently uh, an issue with an external provider briefly affected connectivity on its core service, uh, including its app and online banking. Uh, connectivity was restored quickly and impacted services are back online. Um, the root of the problem seems to have come from the distributed denial of service mitigation platform. Um, right. That, that's about it. Um I believe later somebody may have said uh, an intern made, um, you know, an incorrect choice, which is one. To, uh, somebody on Twitter went, "You're not really going to blame the intern, are you?" You know, <laughs> really, <laughs> you know. And, and the classic reply to that is, "If it's that important, an intern shouldn't be doing it without supervision." So don't blame the intern. Um, there's so, nearly there's nearly always someone, isn't there, somewhere who say. Does anyone know what this plug is? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't touch that plug. Don't touch that plug under any circumstances. Um, don't press the big red button. Um, <laughs> the right. only the only thing that came out of that for a lot of people, I think, was um, isn't it amazing how the internet was designed as a distributed network which could not be brought down by a single point of failure? And yeah, yet, that struck me. Yeah. Over the last decade, we have then fed major services into huge 
companies like Amazon Web Services or, you know, Cloudflare's DDoS or whatnot in such a way that actually if they go down, they can take down new swathes of the internet. Um, yeah. Which... It's no longer the um, the redundant um, service it once was. No, no, it's not. But then I suppose that's quite natural considering how big it grew. And how fast. And how fast it grew, yeah. The scary thing is uh, what the amount of stuff it relies on the web nowadays to... Oh, uh, yeah. Everything. Uh, Everything. Huge amount of things. Everything. Um, There we go. And uh, the last kind of one on... um, Oh, actually, that's in the wrong section, that one. Apparently, the UK government is to consider gutting the GDPR rules, according to IT Pro. Yeah, that that really fills me with um, deep, deep Doesn't confidence. Doesn't surprise me with this lot. Uh, no. Plans to scrap the UK data protection rules and replace them with a new regime are on the horizon following recommendations by a special task force. Right, and this special task force comprises of three senior Conservatives MPs and has branded GDPR prescriptive and inflexible. Uh, Yeah, because three Conservative MPs are the top voices on internet (laughs) privacy and security. Well, yeah, exactly. But I I must admit, I mean, I I think GDPR is good as a whole. I just think it's been applied, sometimes it's been applied too low down. In the, in the in the, you know, there's a quite a lot of small organisations that really GDPR is neither here nor there, but they still have to follow all the rules and do all yeah. the stuff the same as everybody else. Um, I mean, churches are one of those things that you know are constantly talking about GDPR, um, and I'm, I'm not convinced that churches were doing terrible things before GDPR came in. No, um, but yeah, I mean, I think the only... I, I think they could, I think they could be a little bit more flexible, particularly for voluntary organisations. And yeah, I agree. That... When we, we did our church one because we had, um, I think they were doing a church magazine because we had email addresses. We had a whole speed on GDPR, and it was an absolute nightmare. Yeah, yeah it's 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 just a lot. To, I mean, for business. Businesses, I can absolutely see it, but for for voluntary organisations, it's a little bit onerous to keep on top of it all. I mean, in all honesty, the stupid thing about some of that is also uh, there are a lot of people who are supposed to be consultants on what you need to do who actually don't know what they're talking about. So, for example, <laughs> in, in yeah. Steve's case, there, right? He's saying because you have the email addresses of. Um, you know, the members of your church for the purposes of sending out an electronic email. Well, as long as they've consented to that, then it's neither here nor there. Yeah. And you're not, yeah. as long as you say, we do not sell or do anything else, and you say, we, you know, we store these in a secure manner by, you know, keeping them in an encrypted folder or whatever, and then that's it. You know, you're not doing that's anything. That's right. I mean, I remember going to some, I remember going to some training about it when it first came out, and an lot, awful lot of it was, Look, don't panic about this. <laughs> you really don't need to panic. It's on the whole, we haven't got to do an awful lot. No. But uh, yeah, I, I still think they could make it a little bit clearer. Um, yes. But... Uh, and we should all not worry. It, it, it takes me back, actually, to um, there was at one point the government was trying to push through. I think I might have told you this before. Uh, legislation about lead in electronic devices. Yes. And no one had thought to exclude organs, yeah, which are electronic devices, but they're full of lead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and, and you know, a lot of the pipes are made of lead. <laughs> yes, they are very much so. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, I some I sometimes think it could be a lot easier, particularly for for churches for, and for and small, small voluntary organisations and so on. But there you go. Unfortunately, however, three senior conservative MPs and uh, I could imagine their ideas it's all a load of EU rubbish toss it all away everybody <laughs> can do what they like especially my company that's data harvesting like buggery yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah we don't really want that though, do we no, I mean so... I say I, I understand the concept of GDPR on the whole it's a really good idea to keep track of what's going on and keeping people's information secure and all that sort of stuff indeed um, um so yeah, we don't want we don't want three people who don't know what they're talking about at the top of it. Yeah. That's a, not a good you idea. You don't know and don't care if you want my honest opinion. All they'll be interested in is how can we make more money. Um, yeah, right. Uh, la, 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 la. 
Um, on other security and privacy news, uh, the Rock U 2021 was the biggest pass password leak ever so far. Uh, Mac Observer had this, so did several other people. Um, somebody posted a 100 gigabyte text file to a hacking forum containing 8.4 billion entries of passwords from data leaks and breaches. Good grief, um, that's got to be almost everyone's passwords. Okay, considering only about 4.7 people are online, numbers-wise, the RockU 2021 compilation potentially includes the passwords of the entire global uh, online population twice over. Um, Check. I wonder if anyone's thought to to deduplicate it. Well, (laughs) it could be the same password billions of times. Well, yeah, (laughs) password one. Um, (laughs) That's right. But. yeah, of course. Yeah, it's very easy. It's very easy. you could say, oh well, that's twice the online population. Yeah, but most of us have got dozens and dozens and more dozens than one of password. Well, yeah. we should have. Yeah. We should all have dozens. Um, Just keep your eyes peeled, folks, and use your password managers and all yeah. that sort of stuff. You know, check have I been pwned and um, many password managers like LastPass and whatnot and Bitwarden um, have now have you know warning this password has been exposed. Uh, yeah, warnings. I noticed one of my uh, one of my fallback ones that I've used for a long time has yeah. now been you know this has been exposed. The, it's been exposed, sadly. But um, you know, so there we are. Um, this one made me laugh because it's um, even the experts who discovered it were kind of smirking about it a bit. A newly discovered vigilante malware um, out software pirates and blocks them from downloading. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. A researcher has Yeah, researcher has uncovered one of the more unusual finds in malware. A booby trapped file which rats out downloaders and tries to prevent unauthorized downloading in the future. Files are available on sites which are frequented by software pirates. Um Sophos Labs That's principal, quite clever. Yeah, since uh Sophos Labs principal researcher uh calling the malware vigilante says it gets installed when people uh, victims download and execute what they think is a pirate pirated software or game. Behind the scenes, the malware reports the file name executed to the attacker's controlled server along with the IP address of the victim's computer and as a finishing touch, the vigilante attempts to modify the victim's computers so they cannot access the piratebay.com and as many as a thousand other known pirate sites. (laughs) That's clever. Yeah. Um... It's unusual to see something like this because normally there is one motive behind malware and that is to steal stuff, be it passwords, keystrokes, cookies, intellectual property, access to your CPU for mining cryptocurrency or whatever. The motive is theft. This this is not the case. The samples really only did a very few things, none of which fit the t- typical move of a malware. Um, there you go. Um, once victims execute the Trojanos file, the file name and IP address are sent in the form of an HP get to the attacker-controlled um, server, which can be well, which is named onefilshia.com, which can be confused with the cloud storage provider onefishia. I think the former is spelled with an L as the third character instead of an I. Anyway, the malware in the files is largely identical, except for the file names it generates in web requests. Um, I want to complain about this malware giving my details to the police. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. Basically, um, it, it modifies the host's uh, the host DNS file and uh, puts a, a huge list of known pirate, you know, downloading um, uh, addresses and links them all to local host so that they will, won't load. So... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, what, why should why shouldn't software pirates have malware as well? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> uh, right, vigilante has no persistence method, meaning it has no way to remain installed, which means people who have been infected only need to edit their host file to become disinfected. Oh dear, but there you go. Oh yeah, we all know how to do that, don't we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Although if you're if you're the sort of person who pirates software, you probably do, to be honest. Um, but I found that very amusing, nonetheless. You know, somebody having a little bit of a dig, I think. Oh dear. Right. Um, 
I'm gonna round it off now. Um, couple of things. I have um a worth a chirp, which comes from my son. Opera have launched a new browser um called Opera GX, which is apparently uh, aimed at gamers, and it has features such as um customization, um built-in uh linking with Twitter, uh, not Twitter, with um YouTube and discord and twitch and the like um quite a nice looking thing actually um link in the show notes it's it's a modified version of the normal uh you know opera browser um designed specifically for gamers and it it features um some other controls for doing things like um uh modifying your network settings and things to make sure that you know while you've got the browser running it's not interfering with your game and so on um which is rather slick. He seems quite impressed with it. Um, so if you are a gamer and you're interested in a browser, you know, with uh, links to, direct links to Twitch and Discord and uh, YouTube and so on, um, might be worth a good look. There you are. Um, and uh, because that came from my son, um, I will put a link in the show notes to his YouTube where he does a variety of videos about games online. There you go. And uh, talking of links to uh thing, uh, yesterday I started streaming Fallout 4, which is a very large game on the PS. Um, I've played through it a couple of times. It's a massive game. And I've started, uh, just for the hell of it, streaming it in sort of hour chunks right from the start. So you can come and watch me make an idiot of myself playing Fallout 4. <laughs> link, <laughs> link, you know, um, link in the show notes. I could do that, but it wouldn't be much fun because it would be... Oh, right. I'm going to go down. Oh, I've died. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. I'm going to go down here. Oh, I've died. Yeah, that'd be me. Okay, I'll start again. Uh, well, I, I, must, I, won't get I must admit, I'm on the, oh, um, I've died. <laughs> I, I, one of the ones I did yesterday, I, I'm saying, right, well, I'm going to play this game and I'll, I kind of give you hints and tips as I go. And uh, rather foolishly, I set off on what is one of the first big missions uh, a little bit sooner than I should have done. And uh, I died several times attempting to take down the big creature. And it was a bit like, oops, I should have, I should have, uh, I should have done a little bit more exploring before I came here in such a hurry. Oh, dear. there we are. Um, yeah, yes, thank you, Mrs. P. Don't do as I do, do as I tell you. Uh, <laughs> and that's about it. That is about it. So yeah, a link, a link to my Fallout Four exploits. I don't watch the episode number five. That became very boring indeed because I started building a shack and it ended up taking a very long time. So don't bother watching number five. Just skip over that. Or at least watch the bit until I start building a shack and then jump to the next one where it's finished. (laughs) (laughs) Because the building mechanism can be most frustrating. But there we are. Um, And, uh, oh, another one from my son, I suppose, just while we're here. There's a new game available on uh, on the PS called Rust, which he highly, highly recommends, and I'm probably going to have a play of uh, later on today, which is a sort of um, first-person survival... Um, but well, no, it wasn't cheap. I admit, he bought the he bought the deluxe pack, and it was sixty five pounds. But um, it's an online, you know, building survival resource management fighting type thing. Right. So, yeah. Um, it looks good fun. I'll probably get slaughtered because I'm all right at fighting bots. I'm not much copper in fighting actual people <laughs> in these games. But there we are. Uh, so we'll we'll. Uh, We'll call that the end of the show. There's no John Nemo for probably, what, probably five weeks, four or five weeks, because basically he's on holiday and he's got some other things to do. Um, and apparently also, you know, uh, review stuff is a bit thin on the ground at the moment. So no uh, no hardware store for a while. But um, with that, I think we'll wrap it up. So, uh, Nick, where can people find you? Uh, you can get, find me occasionally on Twitter. I'm Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. And sometimes you'll hear me over on Bart Show if I can get my diary in the same way as Bart can get his. Excellent. Uh, Steve? Uh, you can find me on Twitter mainly, and that is geekcorner underscore UK. And obviously on my website, geekscorner.info. Excellent. Excellent. And... Uh... Your podcast is on Anchor, I believe, and no doubt on all other good services. Yeah, it's on all the main ones, and it's linked on our website as well. Excellent. Jolly good. 
because, you know, just shout it out there, shout it out there. Jim, where can people find you? Uh, in the Slack Room, uh, on Flickr as the SRPS Paint Shop, although I'm thinking about changing the name to Orme, which is a bit more, or less of a mouthful. Uh, on Vimeo, uh, link in the show notes. And if anyone's interested, we have a Flickr site for uh, the Essential Apple people. Um, just have a wee search in the show notes and you'll find the link to that. Indeed um, you will. Yeah. Jolly good. Um, I, of course, can be found on the Twitter as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. The show tweets is Essential Apple. All the stuff is on EssentialApple.com, of course. Um, if you are listening in uh, the Apple Podcast app, until they fix the links, the only probably the best way for you to get the links is to go to the uh, go to the website and look at the show notes there. Um, and of course, we're all in the Slack room. Link to the Slack room in the show notes. Uh, and uh, there we are. I think that will do for this week. So until next time, we're all going to say goodbye. 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 Cheerio. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar, where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I forgot. So why not go over to mymac.com Take a look at the available podcast and take a listen. Hi, my name is Dave Ginsberg. I'm the host of In Touch with iOS at InTouchWithIOS.com with my co-host Warren Sklar. We talk about iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and related technologies. We also have some great Apple guests from the Apple community that also talk to us uh, relating to any tips, any apps, any news of the day, anything that's going on with Apple. Please give us a listen. Our website is InTouchWithIOS.com. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you next time.